All right, Pablo. Yeah. Show dynamic is all thrown off. Why? Because, because like normally I'm on high, like authoritatively talking down to you because you're late and that's right. I'm angry and I've been here waiting for you. But today I had some things come up and you accommodated my schedule. So like I, I think part Two of the shows in a row, <laughs> I beat you to the chair. Baby. No, whoa, whoa, whoa. you didn't beat me to the chair yesterday. You just got here early. I was already oh, here. Yeah. Remember me and David oh, Dennis were right. having a conversation. But today we had to start 10 minutes late because I had other things going on. And for that, I appreciate you. But I feel like now I can't be a jerk to you, which is one of the things that like really makes this show fun. If it makes you feel any better, I have no doubt that you will find a way, despite all of that, to be exactly the same person you are every single show on this show, a fake television show where we're going to ask ourselves a Kevin Durant question before we welcome Mina Kimes in, by the way. Mina, Mina's going to do some football stuff with us. It'll be really fun. We will make fun of her. But for the you time will. being, Alabaster, I will. Because I have a position of moral superiority. I have a high horse. I have a high horse that I'm riding that is called being on time to work. <laughs> but the Kevin Durant thing, right? Yeah. Like, I, Dominique, Kevin Durant got blown out by the Kings, 153 to 121, and did something that I love, which is he gave a bunch of interviews. <laughs> and like... You don't expect this to happen. Kevin Durant seemed to acknowledge how rare it is that anybody in his position would do this. And he made some news. He made some news about how blunt he was, that he is playing on a starting lineup. And I'm going to read out the starting lineup because it's the sort of starting lineup where I don't even know the names on it off yeah. the top of my head. But it's Kevin Durant and Royce O'Neal and Nick Claxton and Joe Harris. And yes, E. Sumner, Edmund Sumner is his starting point guard. And he said, look what I'm working with. I'm playing with Edmund Sumner, basically. And then he said that I'm happy, actually. I should be mic'd up. I'm happy, blah, 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 blah. But the point is, Kevin Durant is saying things very bluntly. Yeah. And how much sympathy do you have for him at this moment? You're asking the wrong person. Like, I, during the darkest days of Kevin Durant's support and fandom, it became a joke on this show of me just carrying his water. Because yes. I, fe I often felt like he was a guy who wasn't doing anything egregious. It, it just feels like, to me, Kevin Durant never wanted to play this game, this, like, shadow GM, this, uh, like passive aggressive media leak. It seems like that's not what he wanted to do. It's not what he's built for. He's not comfortable with it, but he learned that you kind of have to do that in NBA. And now he's this interview suggests to me that he's tired of it. Like he's tired of it. He's just going to be honest about how he feels about what's going on. And like, yeah, for that, I do have a little bit of sympathy because it's, he's in a high pressure situation where all the criticism is not all of it, but the lion's share of the criticism is going to land on him or granted, some decisions that he made that weren't great, but like, it's not just him. Wild things happened. Like, wild things happened. And now everyone can act like they knew this was a bad idea. But I do remember when all this all started, y'all thought they were going to be contenders. And yes, they were legitimate contenders that. at one point. You know, and, and then again, they made the trade for Ben Simmons. And y'all thought they was going to be contenders again. And the pressure got high on Kevin Durant. And now that he's not doing well, we're like, oh, but you demanded a trade. You forced out Steve Nash. It sounds to me that what he wanted, and I'm sure he's biased towards himself. So he's skewing this story. In Almost his as much as you are biased no, no, no. towards he, him. He's he is not, biased towards himself. Yes. He's nowhere near as biased towards himself <laughs> as I am to him. 
because I recognize his greatness and you should appreciate it. But like he he said he wanted to be like pushed harder if that helped the team. He said all the right things that you're supposed to say. But it does kind of make me feel sorry for him because it seems like as as trite as this sounds, he just want to play ball. It feels like it's true of him more than anybody else in the league. And he tried to do this game stuff that he's not really built for. So Kevin Durant, I want to praise him before I take the opposite view, I think, in some meaningful senses here. I want to praise him on this level. He is scoring 30 a game, six and a half rebounds a night, five assists, more than five assists. That's his average. He is playing terrific, man. Like he is an incredible basketball player. He is unimpeachable as a player. I'm not going to even begin to criticize him on that front. I will also praise him on this level. He is saying things like, I want him to say what he really feels about playing with Edmund Sumner. I want him to say to Ben Simmons that Ben Simmons needs to find the answer within himself. As much as I am the water carrier for Ben Simmons, I want to hear what athletes actually believe. Kevin Durant is giving that to me. He says he's a leader. Others have said that you're not a leader if you're that blunt and dealing with your teammates. My prerogative here is not to make Kevin Durant a better leader. It is for Kevin Durant to tell me the things that Kevin Durant is actually thinking and feeling. That is why the thing that he is not saying aloud is simply how much he had to do with all of this, right? Like the NBA, Dominique, we know the NBA, it is a game, as all sports are, it's, a, it's an enterprise premised on the imperfect human meat sack, right? We are all bodies that are flawed. We are body parts that get injured. We are brains that end up, I don't know, accidentally, in our best case scenario, starting the largest anti-Semitism scandal in recent sports history. Right? Uh, the best case is that it was an accident. Not the best case is that he started the... <laughs> the best case is that he never watched the thing. And he, But yeah. I digress. Even though he's coming back, by the way, Kyrie is on Sunday, apparently against the Grizzlies. The point is, what I have not heard Kevin Durant say is, man, I got into this team... And I said, I want DeAndre Jordan. Get rid of Jared Allen, who happens to be an all-star center in Cleveland that they could really use when it comes to their defense being shitty. He has not said, you know who I didn't want as the head coach? I didn't want the guy who was the head coach who would have been way better yeah. than Steve Nash. Right. He's not, he, I mean, look, and I get why he's not saying that on some level, but you just can't be, I am radical transparency guy and not acknowledge some of that stuff. That, that's fair. The, um, I think it's fair of you. If he's going to be critical publicly of these other players, he needs to be critical of himself. But it's really hard to see your own actions. I think that maybe we could expect uh, Chris Haynes or someone else to present these things to him and then see sure. how he, re he responds to that. But I think that part of the my like Kevin Durant appreciation is similar to like how I became more of a LeBron fan. Is like I feel like the reaction to him is not fair and while maybe they've done something wrong and like LeBron's come around y'all like LeBron now but you remember when everyone hated LeBron because he went to Miami and the reaction was unfair I think the same thing is true of Kevin Durant and back to my original point is it feels like Durant thought this was one thing and then he found out that it was something else so he comes in the league and he's like all I got to do is ball and he balls and we're like you're the man you got to win a championship at some point but you're the man and then he comes short. He comes up short in the championship, and we're like, "Well, you're no LeBron." And and then he does the MVP thing, resign. We're like, "Yeah, we love you." Blah blah blah. Yep. But yeah, you press release extension with the Thunder, right? Not yeah. even going to do a TV special, anything close to it. But you aren't quite good enough. 
So then he's like, all right, well, LeBron moved to a team that was stacked and won a championship. Then y'all respected him. He did the same damn thing. And y'all was like, no, you're not good enough. You got to do it on your own. So he's like, I don't want to be this guy. Like, I don't want to be GM slash cheerleader slash uh, behind the scenes media manipulator that y'all want me to be or that you're saying that I have to be. Then eventually he goes and tries to do it and he sucks at it. Because you know what? He's a yeah. really good basketball player. So, like, yes, the decisions that he made were bad ones. And they backfired, forcing, like, oh, I don't have to go on a list. You you named yeah, several yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I guess my point is I go back to, like, the, the catalyst of this all. The same reason why Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame and y'all should shut up about it. Like, Barry Bonds, reaction, Barry, Barry Bonds decisions were a reaction to the climate that we allowed to exist. And I feel like the same thing is true of Kevin Durant. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I like how Kevin Durant joining the Warriors is akin to doing the cream in the clear. He was just trying to keep up with everyone else who had been doing the same thing, namely LeBron James. I, I think there's there is something to that argument. But the larger question with me and Kevin Durant, right, is because dislike of him is, is I agree, like there is a hobby horse that we tend to be. It's the burner account stuff. And by the way, which remains funny to me, but I, I truly like, I'm not gonna hold that against him even on the list of things that I think are interesting about him at this point. To me, it is the, it's the question, Kevin Durant once gave an interview to Lee Jenkins at Sports Illustrated. It was a cover story. And what he said was, I'm tired of being number two. Yeah. I want to be number one. And it's that ego, right? It's it's what I want from Kevin Durant is, and what we what we get in doses is sort of that unvarnished thirst to be approved of. It is to get the flowers that he thinks he deserves, right, Dominique? I mean, that's where I think what Kevin Durant is in many ways is the most relatable. Yeah, of all of the superstars, because and that's the thing is, that blows my mind. Because y'all hate him the most. Well, because he, I think, reminds a lot of people online of the version of themselves that they don't want to be but are. It is the person who is in their mentions. It is the person who is comparing himself to the other person and thinking to themselves, "Why don't I have what he has? How can I get it? And when I try to get it, why am I now being treated differently?" Right. That is deeply relatable, but it's also never going to be a thing that he gets his vindication on. And that's not. kind of his curse. That's kind of his curse. He is doomed to be, as Alabaster is putting down a card here and wants to interject, he is doomed to be number two in a bunch of different ways. Yeah, I got, I got more, but we'll let Alabaster squeeze in and decide whether we ignore it or not. Pablo, <laughs> I do want to ask you about the Ben Simmons of all of this. Yeah, because yeah, he was pointed about Ben Simmons in his comments. So were anonymous Nets sources. And I watch that Nets team and I think Ben Simmons has to be a good player for them to be good. Is that too much for me to think and ask at this point? No, it's not. It's, it's not. And look, Ben Simmons is coming off of back surgery, but he says even now, this is part of the interview that he gave to Sham Sharani at The Athletic, it's not even the back, Dominique, it's the knee that he just got yeah. drained. And so the thing with Ben Simmons, and hold this on, is hold on, where- Pablo. Can I take yeah, a quick yeah. timeout? Because sure. uh, Alabaster asked a terrible question and I'm gonna fix it. Obviously the question is not, is that too much to expect? Or is, the question is not is, I think the question is, can you fairly expect that from him? Because like, yeah, of course you have to be a good basketball player, but are like, is it a realistic expectation is like more, the question, given what we've seen up until now, yeah, yeah, the answer is no. You, I mean, it, it's it, not it, a realistic expectation. It's it's 
the case for Ben Simmons. Oh, is I found premised, my arrogance. I thought I wasn't going to have it, but I got it. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> I am going to try to build. You know, they they have a they have a they they do a thing, Dominique. When it comes to like, uh, this is one of the things about Silicon Valley that I actually do appreciate. Um, I've heard a term that some of these like terrible billionaires use that I want to copy here and apply. They don't like to build straw men. They like to build steel men. They want to build the strongest possible counter argument to make sure that what they're saying actually makes sense. There's some theoretical intellectual honesty there. Right. So I want to build a steel man here against Ben Simmons, right? We have not seen him mentally be there in the way that you need to be to be a useful starting player on a contender. There is no way around that. I have all of my all of my hope is premised on the idea that inside of him and this is like literal psychoanalysis inside of him there is a kernel there is a flame whatever the metaphor is that we can sort of kindle and and restore in full in full fire confidence the confidence that i saw from a guy who was averaging like 15 to 18 in his first couple of years in the league that is what i'm counting on even more than the physical stuff and i will admit I have more hope than evidence because I respect that the brain is the most imperfect of all of the meat sacks. You have no evidence. Not you have more hope <laughs> than evidence. You have zero evidence over his. He used to. He used to. It's what he used to be, Dominic. Over, he over was, his very short career, which is not all that short. <laughs> you have yet to see early him. on. And I'm not, not. I don't think that way. we're. I don't think that we're doing psychoanalysis at this point. It's like, okay, early on he was not this way, but early on he didn't have the pressure that he has now. And early on he wasn't – early on he was, like, potential guy. <laughs> he hasn't grown Number one that. overall pick. It was like, yes. you see all these, all these, like, skills? Wait till he gets it all together. And somehow it got further apart as he spent more time in the league. And, like, I think we've all heard – different things about Ben Simmons that are like reasonable or give us reason to like be careful about the way that we talk about yes. him mentally. So like, I'm not going to go to that place at all, but I'm what I, what I am going to say is we haven't never seen him be this player that everyone says that he needs to be or that he can be. So I don't know where this hope is coming from, where this evidence is coming from. He just ain't that dude. Yeah. We saw, I mean, look in, in fairness, right? Like we saw it in spurts when Joel Embiid is out there was this magical run for about a month where he was playing five out he was the point center with the Sixers and it was beautiful he was everything I wanted everything I needed everything I dreamed of yes all of that happened Dominique you will never take that month away from me you what? hit an NBA three at one point like spurts is not it <laughs> spurts is not it the point like that is the definition of greatness is that you don't do this in spurts like that oh, let's be you. honest pablo if i dropped you in this and you had never known who ben simmons was and you watched him play basketball for the last i don't know three seasons you would not be out here with this and that's that's true of not just you of a lot of people who were looking at this like no but he was highly no, what, touted but what 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 became the thing and not to now surrender the argument while also explaining the argument what became so enticing was that he became so underestimated so undervalued because the criticisms of him dominique were just wrong-headed and i think i have a feeling in this episode we will talk about people criticizing us as much as people talk about the oh, actual criticism the future wow. <laughs> But the internet made me very mad. It made me very mad. They were talking about, he needs to shoot threes. Yeah. He needs to. I'm like, no, that's not the thing. What I admit, again, Steel Man, 
is that there is something off with him in terms of his confidence, his ability to stay on the floor and be anything like what he used to be in terms of energy and psychology. And that is real. And that's where that's where you're right. I would like to now pivot the conversation, Alabaster, to the point where Dominique said I once sank an NBA three. Remember that part? That was amazing. What a spurt. Talk about spurts. I just made that up. I assume that you are capable of getting the ball that far, but I'm not sure. So Mina and her blanket are here. Mina wears a blanket like FDR, apparently, to do this <laughs> fake television show. Dominic. Fireside chat time? I like it. What's this cozy, oh, cozy living? Are you trying to call Mina anti-vaxxer? You, you think she got polio <laughs> on this dude? I think oh, uh, he is speaking to the fact that people only want to hear my voice here. Although we appreciate oh, yeah, the gotcha. YouTube audience as well. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Alabaster, um, before we get into more problematic presidential analogies, <laughs> what do you have for us? Um, let's talk about some football. And I think we're all surprised that the Cowboys are favored over the Vikings this weekend. Does that make any sense to you guys? So I guess the one data point that I would like to throw out here is that the Vikings are 5-0 and in games decided by 7 points or fewer. And so that seems to be like a... I don't know, a philosophical question about like how much do we respect that at all? Because that seems to inform like why the line is as such, no? I mean, I'm just thinking of presidential analogies. So I don't know, maybe Mita should make some analysis because I'm going to get us all fired or Charlie's going to be editing because all I can think about is how the Cowboys are currently the Republican Party because they can't stop him from running either. Ooh. Yes, that's a good joke. See, Ooh. I was thinking it was more that the... Vikings are like our current electoral college system where they're winning despite the fact that the underlying metrics suggest that they're not that good. <laughs> thanks, um, thanks for letting me go first. Thanks for letting me go first. Cause that can, was I, can I, I like can I throw run, in, can I throw in Mike McCarthy getting stuck in a bathtub? <laughs> can I just go with that? Is that Taft? That's a Taft. Uh, okay. That's a Taft. Yeah. So the market is seeing what the nerds are say, saying, which is the underlying metrics do suggest that the Vikings are not as good as record. Now, I want to say that doesn't mean they're not a good football team. I think they are in that chunk of like solid teams that can win any game right now. Um, and they can certainly win a game against the Cowboys, who we just saw are pretty fallible, not just in terms of their inability to stop the run, which I foresee being an issue potentially in this one, um, but also that, you know, like the uh, offense isn't as consistent as we would hope. Now, some of that was, of course, turnovers due largely to route running, but I certainly think the Vikings can win this one. Now, am I going to pick them? I'm not so sure. I, I have to say, like, I don't really like to say it swings entirely on one player, but I kind of think whether Christian Derrissaw, their left tackle plays in this one, could go a long way towards determining whether or not the vaunted Cowboys pass rush puts Kirk Cousins on the ground. It, it matters a lot. So um, maybe I'm reading the news too much because then you said the market. I started thinking about inflation. Then I just started thinking of inflation jokes for the Vikings. And there's so many that I'm going to avoid doing it and get back into the analysis. The run game, ability to stop the run game, I think is, it matters for uh, the Cowboys some, but not as much as I think we make it out to be. Like, I feel like the explosive plays are more concerning. And that's an issue when you run when the run game on the other side is Dalvin Cook because he's one of the few running backs in the league who can give you a twenty yard if you give him a gap that many running backs will get five or six out of he can give you twenty twenty five and then the real concern is Justin Jefferson and what you're gonna do with that man the way he's playing right now I like Trayvon Diggs I I like everybody on that Cowboys defense. 
but you can't do nothing with Justin Jefferson. Like just putting it up in his general vicinity, given the way the rules are uh, tilted in their favor, Justin Jefferson is going to be a problem for everybody for the rest of eternity. So the Cowboys have allowed over 200 rushing yards in consecutive games. Thank you, Alabaster, for that stat. But the other card before, I think, intersects with the whole Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins aspect of this and the disrespect level of it. Because I believe there was a stat you just gave us where, like, since the merger, I believe, yes, home underdogs, right? Three teams have been home underdogs when they're eight and one. The last wow. two of them have had backup quarterbacks, Woo! which Woo! feels like the that Kirk is disrespect. Cousins so that now is we're at the Kirk Cousins part of the conversation. Disrespect. Yeah, we ask that question a lot. Like, is it disrespectful? It is just a question, but, but this time the it's what? a real legitimate question. We're gonna make it about Kirk Cousins because everything with the Vikings ends up being a referendum on Kirk Cousins. But I feel like the line is more a reflection of the fact that um there's reason to doubt the Vikings defense's inability to stop Dallas on offense. I mean, they're not such great shakes against the run either. And Dallas's rushing attack is actually better than Minnesota's rushing attack so which is not to say you know that i don't think um or that i'm picking the cowboys in this one i'm still hedging and then waiting for Dominic i'm to noticing <laughs> i'm noticing when we said but, i'm not so sure dot 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 i was like what are we what are we doing here? i'm just saying this isn't all about kirk cousins oh not everything with minnesota is about kirk cousins that's all we can have an opposite game of chicken where both of us are just scared <laughs> to pick until the other one picks like what would that what animal would be would that game be named after because all sloth. i'm thinking is it's named sloth <laughs> i i have no stare at each other from afar slowly. i don't have a strong feeling on this particular game because like you said both of these teams i think they could win yeah when in doubt like i guess you go with the quarterback who you trust more but i trust any quarterback that's throwing to justin jefferson that's the thing. more yeah. and so yeah uh dak is better but the receivers are better for the vikings and the d the cowboys defense is better the question i think is will the for me at least Will the Vikings be able to protect long enough so that Justin Jefferson can be a problem? Because throwing Justin Jefferson a bunch of slants, quick game yes. outs, like, okay, he might break one, but I'm not scared of that. I'm scared of jump balls, 50-50 balls that actually turn into 70-30 balls. And if uh, Micah Parsons gets back there, then yeah, I like the I like um, the Cowboys. If he doesn't, which I guess goes back to the original point about it Derek. brings back to my yeah. original take, which is how we thread the coward's needle here, which yeah. is say we're not going to pick until we the see if Christian Derrissaw is playing, right? Oh, Threading like the coward's book. needle is also what they call uh, what Kirk Cousins does, incidentally, <laughs> in any given NFL game. Oh, but wait, wait, wait! Can I, I have two questions? I but he the was first one, say something dirty, but yeah, uh, you know well. Mm, yeah, I'm there's proud time. of you. Um, I'm proud of you. There's time. Uh, yeah, I'm proud too. Great. That was a good one too, because it's like, yeah, he's afraid to attack down the field. It's a, Thank you. a reasonable like um, criticism, of Kirk Cousins. But sometimes he threads the coward's needle, which in this case is just throw it up across your fingers. It threading the coward's needle. Now that I think about it, does sound like uh, no, an urban do dictionary it. entry. Don't do um, it. No, don't do like, it. Whoa, that's what that means. It's like. Um, no, I wanna, see, I you almost got away question. with walking up to the line without crossing it. You couldn't help yourself. I want to ask a question about Justin Jefferson, because what we saw last week is the thing. It's a sort of week where I'm like, that is the best player in the NFL or that is the best receiver in the NFL. Let's leave out the player things that feels like obviously hyperbolic, maybe. Mm. But like, is he obviously just the best receiver in the NFL? Like, where are we now with him? Can we say that declaratively or what? I think it's still really close between him and Hill. And I think it's going to be a really fascinating race for Offensive Player of the Year between them. Um, just because, you know, it, with De Jefferson, 
sometimes it looks better because he's not as open as Tyreek Hill has been. Um, so when he makes an insane catch, like the reason that catch was so cool and what people are saying is better than OBJ's is that he had dudes draped all over him and did it, right? It looks amazing. But a big part of playing receiver is separating yeah. and Tyreek Hill is better at that. I would also say Tyreek Hill's um, uh, ability to win at the catch point is also like really yes. underrated yes. for a little guy. It's you know? not underrated here. <laughs> Yeah, Dominique is Dominique is Mr. Tyreek for MVP. I guess I'm sure you say that this too. is going to be interpreted yeah. as yet, yet another example of Tua Shade, but he's so good at <laughs> tracking the ball, making adjustments, um, doing all the little God. things like a really good wide receiver has to do to beat good coverage. Uh, so I actually think I think it's really really close, and I'm actually not going to. Can I'm going to thread um, the coward's needle again. Yeah, I'm going to wait uh, until the end of the season to make my pick. Um, I, that, I have no problem. Uh, I don't know what the opposite of threading the coward's needle is, but picking a side in the Jefferson versus Tyreek Hill um, debate, because I know which one I'd be more concerned with, and it's by far Tyreek Hill. Justin mm -hmm. Jefferson, uh, when they were rolling out that stat about how many contested catches he had and how low the percentage of success was, and he made all these catches – uh, early in the week, I kept hearing it in the way that it wasn't supposed to be like expressed. It was supposed to be like a celebration of Justin Jefferson. Yeah. And I was like, no, that ain't good, guys. And especially also, when you're looking at Diggs on the other side who gets yeah. wide open. He was also doing it to the Bills backups. And, you know, I can't get that game early in the season where Darius Slay basically shut him down out of my mind, which yeah. brings me to the question about um, what the how the Cowboys should approach it, Dominique. Uh, Marcus said on NFL Live today he thought Trayvon Diggs should just take him. I don't think that would end well for Dallas. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I I don't like that idea. <laughs> However, like I guess I can talk myself into it because the type of receiver. Tyreek Hill is the type of receiver that you want a high-low double, and so you could play underneath him with a quick, small guy and have somebody over top to protect mm -hmm. him. Um, I think Justin Jefferson is a guy whose short area quickness is really impressive, but it's not Tyreek impressive, and it's not con combined with the Tyreek acceleration. So if there is a type of receiver that you could play against, like man-to-man -man and follow him, I think – while I don't think you should, I think his body type, his game type is the prototype that you might be like, all right, we got a guy, you got a guy, Jalen Ramsey, go take care of this. However, it's just not something that I, it's not worth the risk because if Jalen Ramsey or Trayvon Diggs is like awesome against him for seven snaps, <laughs> you only need one. And I'm not trying to take that risk with uh, Justin Jefferson. You know, he's going to get some touches. Or it uh, sounds, targets. It, Dominique, it sounds like you two are trying to thread the coward's needle. No coward's needle here. Can I tell you something? I want to talk about the um, the Dolphins' crazy fans because Mina sure. brought them up. Yes. Speaking it was, of uh, a political <laughs> lobby that strikes fear into our heart. <laughs> yeah, Florida. Can Florida. you flash a warning that says, like, third rail across the screen right now? And, yeah, okay. Go, no, go it's just it. I was just impressed at the mental dexterity that they go to to be aggrieved. So like I oh, was on I Get Up. One. Okay, yeah. let's see who go, go, let's go. see who can do. It. I was on first. Get Up. I was on Get Up talking about um, Josh Allen and how you have to take the good with the bad and stop expecting yeah. him to be perfect. That was the whole segment. But not even mentioning Miami. The whole segment was me <laughs> yelling about Josh Allen. Yeah, he does dumb stuff, but he has to do the dumb stuff to get the good stuff. That was the entire segment. We went to commercial. We sold some insurance, some beer. I don't know what we what we sell. <laughs> we come back. 
And then we start talking about how I believe that we should open MVP up to other positions. In that, I talk about Tyreek Hill. Oh, in, no, they don't, in, they don't like that. They don't no, like no, that. No, 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 no. But I also said Tua deserves MVP consideration. But Not right enough. now, I'm too much about quarterbacks. Then I go to the internet and someone did the very wise thing of saying, you said that why we shouldn't expect Josh Allen to be perfect. And then he did this cool little trick where he said, but the mainstream media expects Tua to be perfect. I'm a yeah. pro Tua guy. Relax. Yeah, you your first mistake guy. was when you said, uh, and then I went to the internet. <laughs> oh, but yeah. I feel like Mina has her own war story. Well, my here. recent one. Well, okay. So, yeah. Th- I like this game, by the way. It's hard because <laughs> it's like punching ghosts because they're, they're, yeah. the, for me, most of it stems from the fact that I replied to Emmanuel Acho and I said I thought Herbert was better, which – whatever you can feel free to disagree with that it's fine i remember that and i and and i I pointed out that two had just had a game where he had thrown a bunch of passes that should have been picked they're upset they're constantly every day in my mentions you're tracking two is almost like dude it was one tweet i'm not tracking and and we've been crapping on josh allen for these decisions all week but the then the the thing that's blown my mind lately that i had a tweet that was like let's see who the dolphins play after the bye oh god no and i it was like the texans They have interpreted that. They're mad at me about that. Literally, my messages are like, whoa, what you just been clown show. You're not giving us any credit. I'm just saying you're going to kick their butts. (laughs) I don't get it. I just want want to Anon, if they're going to go that hard at you, and I know Alabaster is pointing at the next topic, I just want them to also celebrate in equal vigor Israel Gutierrez, who's been calling... Tua Tungavailoa, two breeze. He's been calling him a left-handed two, two breeze, breeze for a year. A year. And finally now is his time. He's playing great. It's awesome. <laughs> I, it's amazing. really, he seems like a lovely guy. Yeah, I've always so wanted this for him. Uh, so good. He plays a ukulele, Alabaster. You must oh, respect that. Does yeah, I mean, I, I'm very pro Tua. I mean, obviously Justin Herbert's better. and He just has broken ribs and <laughs> the slowest receivers in the league. But who am I to say if we're not going to judge to his oh, surroundings, we shouldn't that. judge just nervous, but whatever. I do we'll not move on. Sign these Let's his name is Charlie on. Kravitz, so make sure you can find him. <laughs> Don't worry. They won't. Um, let's move on to the Bills, though. Do you think the Bills are vulnerable against the Browns this weekend? So I learned that apparently six feet of snow is like maybe the most snow that has ever been dumped in a single day in the history of America. And so I do feel bad about making fun of how everybody like couldn't handle the thing that they all say they want, which is snow football. Uh, but the Browns seemingly would have benefited from that, right? Because of the variance, yeah. the chaos. And now we get, an, uh, I guess, a relatively neutral site in Detroit. Um, well, so it's Josh Allen in a dome, so it's not yeah. neutral. And it's not, <laughs> and it's not even the variance or the chaos. It's that if one of these two offenses was built for an old school snowy yeah. football game, it's the one that has Chubb. It's not the one that, that can't get any push. So, no, Pablo, don't do it. Please stop. I, 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 for the podcast audience, I was just grinning. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking it, but uh, I was just grinning. Uh, oh I really, gosh. I, I got to say, I was really tempted to pick Cleveland in the snow game for yeah. the reasons Dominique mm. articulates. Also, I think. Um, Look, Cleveland has the worst run defense in the NFL. If the Bills can't run on them, they are officially hopeless. I'll just say that. But I thought, well, maybe in the snow, things will be a little bit different. But it's not in the snow. Yeah. It's, you know, in perfect conditions. So I mean, this is the yeah. uh, the podcast that I do that's amazing that you should all download, rate, and review. Alabaster and I, a couple weeks ago, discussed who like were teams that could give some of these top teams trouble and the Browns were one of the teams that I said like 
actually the way that they are constructed could give the Bills trouble. It was either them or it was a low pressure system. So both of those things came together at the same time to create the snow and the Browns. And I'm sure the Browns must just be wishing, can y'all just give us like three feet? We don't need six. Give us three. We'd have played at three and got a win. But you're describing a high-pressure system right now. I mean, the Bills, look, what Josh Allen has done, right? Thrown multiple picks in three straight games, the longest streak of his career. Dominique is, is shaking his head vociferously. I mean, he's done that. No, I mean, it's it's the same thing that you've heard me yell about on various platforms, including including that this is Mina what he Kimes does. award-winning is... podcast that you should download, rate, and review. That <clears throat> it's fine. Superman gonna break some buildings, but you know what? The alien's gonna die. That's it. Sorry, I just read Dolphin Twitter, and we never talk about Josh Allen's interceptions, <laughs> so I'm not familiar with these conversations <laughs> that you're alluding to. So, so uh, forty point so two salty. QBR from Superman um, incidentally in the fourth I, quarter. I think yeah. the thing we're all trying to do right now is psychoanalyze Josh Allen, which is to try to understand why these interceptions have cropped up recently when they kind of disappeared for right. essentially a year. And you know, I, I I hear a lot. Well, the absence of a run game might have him pressing. I don't really think that's true, honestly. Like the absence of run game might make Josh Allen run more, but. I don't think just because they're like, if you look at the, you know, the interceptions he's thrown, it's not been like, oh, shoot, they're, you know, in third and short and they can't run the ball. It's just him trying to do too much. So, yeah. you know, he, he, he obviously has to do a better job protecting the football in the red zone. It's like nobody disagrees with that. Right. But the I, the idea that it's because they don't have a run game right now, I just don't think is accurate. Yeah, I think that the problem is people think that there is something happening on the field or in the world that could cause Josh Allen to press or not press. What you don't understand is Josh Allen is a presser. Like, that's what he is. He's going to press. No yes. matter what the circumstances are, he's pushing all the buttons. That's what he's doing. He's in the cockpit, and some alarm went off, and he's like, all right. <laughs> and then sometimes his plane does an incredible loop-de-loop. Most of the time, it does an incredible loop-de-loop. It does the, the cobra move from Top Gun. But sometimes, it's just wait, a little wobbly. Wait, okay. So we officially realized that the opposite of the coward's needle is Josh, Josh Allen's Allen. barrel roll. Like, what are we What, what are we giving Josh? He's, he's taking the coward's needle and he's and he's trying to give prison tattoos to the secondary. <laughs> that's a fair analysis. Like, yeah, that's who he is. And um, the idea that there's anything around him causing him to play differently, I think, like you mentioned, Mina, we are trying to psychoanalyze him. And the sooner we realize that quarterbacks aren't football players, but Josh Allen is, the better off will like uh, the easier mm. will be for us to understand well, it. It's like he makes decisions that defensive ends make. And it's like, all right, you expect him to be a quarterback who's like judicious. No, that ain't him. He's trying to get a sack, baby. He should really not try to punch out football. So Patrick Peterson, so I thought, diagnosed it better than like any of us, which is he was just like, yeah, I, I knew, you know, he made the end zone interception that ended the game. He was like, I knew he thought he could make that throw. That's it, guys. Mm. Josh Allen thinks he can make every throw because he kind of can most of the time. Yeah. And this is the shrapnel of it. Yeah. Um, it's not it. Yeah, I mean, like, look, it is why they have lost games. In, or there's other reasons as well. So we're not like saying it's good. <laughs> but um, it, I, I don't. I, I feel like it's going to go away and come and go in spurts throughout his career. To Dominique's right. point, just as a function of who he is. I think that he hasn't stopped being a presser, like um, mm. people like to think that this thing cropped back up. 
I think that sometimes you get lucky and sometimes you don't. That's what about like if you watch all of Josh Allen's games this season, some games he's hitting people in the numbers with the football to have on the opposing jersey and it goes to the ground and sometimes they catch it. It's fine. If you're going to win, you're, you're going to get the good Josh Allen. When you get this version of Josh Allen, you're going to lose. And it was still barely because in this yes, time yes. where he is breaking buildings, he is also killing the out of aliens the entire game. So just take it. Alabaster, do you want me to mention how uh, Devin nope. Singletary finally had two touchdowns last week? And I beat the out of Tyrese Halliburton on my literal nobody fantasy team. Literally Great. nobody it wanted to know that information. Oh, my it's gosh. So Not a soul on Eat earth it, for that. <laughs> Pablo and I are playing this week, I just noticed. Ooh, that's a L. Let's go, Second Pablo. place team, baby. Um, so, I, have, I have Cooper Cup, so it's not great over here in Tough scene. Tough scene. Mm. Um, mm. All right, last question. Do you expect the Colts to be able to uh, control the game by running the ball against the Eagles? <sighs> okay, so the like beautiful platter that was the Oakland Raiders or the Las Vegas Raiders, which we all sort of foresaw happening. Like that was obvious, like the worst defense you could possibly uh, have playing against Jeff Saturday in this. Oh, you said his name It's drinking time. Oh, there it is. There it is. I don't know yeah. what it is, but <laughs> for the podcast audience, Dominique uh, is just double, triple fisting again, mm, as he did mm, mm. on the Sunday night show. Mm. My man's going to win. Knock off the Eagles, Jeff. You can do it. Wow. Okay, wait. So, so Mina, so yeah. Dominique is now officially, he's officially tattooing Jeff Saturday as a chest tattoo so, across his body. What do you the, got? The Eagles are a much better football team than the Colts in just about every way. However, the Eagles have a terrible run defense. The Eagles know they have a terrible run defense. That is why general manager Howie Roseman turned to his assistant and said, give me a list of every 300-pound man on earth, called two of them, and signed them this week. Linval Joseph and Nadam Kunsu. I don't think uh, Sue will play in this game. I think Joseph might. Um, but uh. I, I actually I, – look, I think the Eagles are going to win this one, but I think the Colts' offense could have some success because I'll be curious to see what sort of schematic changes the Eagles make to try to stop the run because I just don't think that they have the personnel to do it right now. That defense is going to be so dialed in on stopping the run. And Jeff's not an idiot, man. If he sees him doing that, he is going to ask Matt Ryan, who can act, who could still play point guard, to RPO and play action them. And so I, I'll be curious to see how the Eagles defense plays, what sort of adjustments Jeff's make, Jeff makes in response. Um, that's it. I think the Eagles are going to win. I'm, there's no threading the coward's needle on this one. So to be mm. clear, Jeff's adjustment is run the ball harder. That is his adjustment to everything. I, no matter what so. it is, the adjustment is, well, we better run it even more. Uh, we can't stop the run because we're, we're not running the ball well enough. We can't score. We're not running the ball well enough. It's going to be his response to everything. And that's why I'm picking Jeff Saturday in the Colts to pull off this incredible upset. Yes, you're right. They're better in every other category, but I'm biased as shit. And that's fine. As long as I say I'm biased, it's okay. Don't ask me to bet no money on it, but I will publicly select my man, Jeff Saturday, to pull it out. I think the, the tough thing, and this is the, the argument that I've had for a lot of this week about the Eagles, is them not being able to stop the run is a concern. It's not a fatal flaw. It's everyone has a weakness. And if you want to have a, if you have to choose your weakness in modern football, yeah. the weakness would be inability to stop the run. What they are really great at is the thing that matters on defense in the modern NFL is limiting explosive. 
explosive plays. They have like 3%, the best rate in anybody in the league uh, at limiting explosive plays on defense. So like, I'm not worried about them in this game, even if Jonathan Taylor runs the ball well, because one, the Eagles can stop explosives. And also the Colts don't got nobody that's really going to kill you on these explosive plays. That makes me wonder, Dominique, if the Eagles should consider dropping a safety into the box a bit more, because it's not like the Colts are going to beat them. We have players in the secondary to hold up without you know, keeping an extra exactly. safety back there. So you might as well do it and just see, yeah. you know, because it's the Colts. Like, they, right. they're not good. Yeah. I mean, the sad thing about the Eagles is they also are bad against the run when they have the man advantage. <laughs> Unfortunately, they're just bad against the run. So if great. they are outnumbered in the box, they can't stop the run. If they have the numbers in the box, they can't stop the what run. Do, what do you think Eagles practice looks like? <laughs> because they, they got the best rushing offense one of the best rushing offenses in the nfl i was thinking about the, the browns too like what do you think like it looks like when the browns offense goes oh. against the browns defense Ooh. nine on seven drill is uh just a parade just running backs just that's one of, in regular season nine on seven is like a running game drill it's nine um offensive players against seven defensive players. So the corners fortunately don't have to participate in that. And it's one of the only times in regular, in the regular season where ones go against ones. Cause normally the first unit will go against the scout unit, which is like the backups. And so it's like one of the only actually like super competitive in season practice sessions. So yeah, week in and week out, <laughs> uh, Nick Chubb is going to the crib nine to seven times and nine on seven drills. Are you just daring me to make a Chubb joke? Is that is that you're just daring me to? What's the name of your fantasy team? Can you say it? Like I feel yeah, like it's it's it's, it's Pablo's part Filipinos. And if you're wondering, uh... yes, I have Josh Jacobs as one of my running backs. That is a part Filipino, and the other one is Jonathan Taylor. So all this is great news from a matchup with Mina. Actually, <laughs> this is great. So you just have I to have one part Filipino, or is I it's can't part. believe I'm losing to a guy true. who just Gosh. drafted based on finding Filipinos. <laughs> <laughs> Fantasy football sucks. <laughs> Freaking hate it. Oh, <laughs> Garbage. Ugh. So trash. It's great. We did it, guys. We did some, it. Give me some uh, confetti. Give, give us, give us all some daddy juice. Give, oh. give, give FDR over there. Yeah, yeah. It's, oh, that was a really embarrassing. What are you doing? What is that? that conf- oh, yeah. oh. That's like a you should visit your doctor level of confession. Like, <laughs> some of things course. are. No, are... stop it. You gotta. What? Just stop it.